crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Now, uh, podcast been on a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, this is the first episode that we've put out in about three weeks, and I'm going to first apologize for that. Um, you know, I, I, I want to be consistent with the show, but uh, this podcast is not my full-time job, as many of you know. That's not an excuse because I made a commitment to you to produce content and share ideas, but if I'm going to be honest with you, we've had so much going on at Rogue lately that I've just been uninspired to share uh, in the podcast. I just haven't known what to talk about, to be honest with you. There's so much stuff and I have so many opinions and at the same time, uh, my, my brain cycles, just the capacity of my brain to produce thoughts and share them with you has been kind of wiped at the end of every day. I just get to the end of the day and I'm just toasted and haven't wanted to schedule a podcast because these take a lot of energy. Um, it, you know, I want to do a good job. I want to share with you the excitement or energy that I have around a particular topic or thought or, or guest. And I just, it, Rogue has been, there's just been, so, there's been so much going on. I just haven't been able to, to dial it up. And um, it's very tough to be creative when you feel uninspired. I know there's probably a million memes, just do the work and all this kind of stuff, uh, which I agree with uh, in many regards. But that work has been growing Rogue and building Rogue and putting systems and process in place for our business that are going to help us hit the goals that we set. And, um, you know, when you're building something like what we're doing at Rogue Risk, there's not a game plan. Like, if you're running a, a local independent agency, seven to 12 people, been around for 20 or 30 years, you can go to the best practices guide that the big eye puts out or to your state association or to a carrier or any number of consultants, you know, the the greats, uh, 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 Mick Hunt, um, David Carruthers, uh, Randy Schwantz. Um, you can, if you're looking for service stuff, you can go to Kelly Donahue Pier. There, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of a dozen or more just absolutely tremendous, tremendous consultants or consulting firms that can help you, whether it's RevOps and McHunt or uh, Middle Market Commercial Sales with you know David Carruthers. Uh, service, you know, service-related expertise with 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 Kelly Downo Piro, and 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 the list goes on, right? Like you can you can find someone who has seen what's going on in your agency before and help you hit those next levels, right? That and that's an amazing thing. With what we're trying to do at Rogue, that just doesn't exist. Like it just simply doesn't exist. There are no best practices models for how we're growing this business. And I've had people say, well, what about the digital brokerages? Yeah, well. Unfortunately, I can't find a digital brokerage that has focused on commercial that hasn't outsourced all their service to either a call center or to India or someplace else that, you know, kind of removes the human touch and experience, which is a big part of our model, right? So so we're digital front end, human optimized, all that kind of stuff, working in the commercial insurance space, primary, you know, with today, primarily inbound opportunities coming in at a volume of uh, north of 300 leads a month, 
how do you sort them? How do you place them? How do you get the markets? How do you get licensed? How do you build the process? How do you know where the business goes? How do you know the different state associ- uh, state requirements? How do you deal with that volume when you don't have the budget to staff properly for that for that volume? How do you find uh, you know partners to send business that you don't want to write to? Um, how do you internally handle service flow and COI flow and all that kind of stuff when you're doing it from a fully remote workforce, right? We have three employees in New York, two in Florida, two in Michigan, uh, two in California, and in the not too distant future, we'll probably have to hire more people. And doing all this on a bootstrap budget, we haven't taken any VC money. I've, I've shared with you probably a few times if you listen to the show consistently that we've taken some some friends and family investment from some people who. Uh, as much as their investors are strategic advisors to the company, I text or call them just about every day, uh, and I'm incredibly grateful and thankful for for what they've done to help contribute to Rogue and its success. And um, but you know, a lot of times we're just talking through ideas, and we have to test those ideas. Like we have to we have to put those ideas out into the marketplace. We have to we have to execute on a strategy and then see if it works. I mean, think about that. Think about how much different that methodology is to the way all of us every every one of us every one of you listening and myself how we were all raised in this industry there was no you don't test things in insurance you don't you don't try something and hope it works you don't put your business in a position where a process or procedure or something like that could could fail except when you're building something that hasn't actually been built before on a premise that seems to be working by all accounts but certainly isn't proven i mean i won't you know i I think we've had good success so far but i wouldn't call like you know we can't call this a victory yet we it's not time to spike the football certainly um you know we had a lot of work to do and you know it it forces us to make different types of technology decisions it forces us to make different types of hr decisions it forces us to make different types of procedural process systems um tracking accountability reporting how we do meetings how we talk about the company how do we market the company how do we build internal culture how do we keep people happy like i i just i don't there's no place to turn there's no place there's no one to like sit down with so i have to sit down with people from all over the industry i have to talk to people from all over the industry i have to read i have to look at what other industries are doing i have to find people who are willing to share even small bits of their business and then like a patchwork quilt weave it all together and try to come up with what rogue is to to meet our mission right like uh, we have we have we have a mission that we're trying to execute on and 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 trying to put all that together it just man it absolutely wastes my brain i get to the end of the day and i'm just i'm just spent i'm beat you know and uh and i'm trying to get myself in shape and and use fitness and health as a competitive advantage right if i'm gonna play this game and execute at the highest level i want to make sure that my body and my brain are in good position good good health good you know high levels of energy um and that's helped that's been good but uh man it's stressful it's stressful to to work through some of these things and you know think Geez, if only we could do this. Well, we don't have the money for that. Okay, so we don't have the money for that, and we don't have the people to execute on that. So how do we get there? All right. Well, is there a tool that can help us get there? Well, tools cost money, and they take time, and there's a there's a sunk cost in you know all the time and money that it takes to put a tool in a place, and if that tool doesn't work, and you got to back out of it, and then culturally, right? I mean, anyone who's ever tried to change a system, who who you know the the backlash that you get from your people. Well, thankfully the you know thankfully the 
the team that we have at Rogue uh, kind of comes in and, and we have a culture of understanding that things are going to change at different times and we're, we haven't figured this out and they've been the team's been absolutely tremendous. I'm very blessed by the people who've decided to to, to buy into what we're doing and, and commit themselves to this and you know it's it's been it's been really great uh, in that regard but you know there's just there's a lot of stuff there and um, this is a very long-winded way <laughs> eight minutes in the podcast and I haven't really shared too much with you but you know it's it's just a long-winded way of saying I'm sorry that I have not gotten an episode out to you in the last three weeks I promise I'll be more consistent because I want to be more consistent because there are a lot of incredible things going but I've just been a little overwhelmed and it's been you know and and, and prioritizing rogue which as much as I love you guys for listening to the show I'm always gonna prioritize rogue over the podcast because um I just <laughs> I mean I probably don't need to explain that but uh, I do I do want to share what we're doing and uh, what you're gonna get now is basically a, a two-parter we're gonna break this conversation up into two parts most likely um and I want to talk a little bit about philosophically what we're seeing what's working for us uh what you should consider why we're making certain decisions things I find that you might find interesting I'll share that with you and then I also want to share some of the things that I've been reading and seeing um in from different thought leaders in in the space and particularly I want to start with um, this report that was forwarded over to me by uh, by McKinsey. So I had a uh, it was actually my brother-in-law. Um, he forwarded over to me uh, this this report that McKinsey did, or he forwarded over to me the breakdown of the report that McKinsey did. And I read the the McKinsey report as well, but um, the breakdown is pretty pretty easy. Um, it's all about reinsurance, and <laughs> I think it's the title is reinsurance an industry destroying value. Uh, or shifting it to brokers, which is the part that I found interesting, right? Um, destroying value is tough to tough to wrap my head around. Uh, I'm not an economist by any regard, but uh, the, the 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 report, you know, one of the one of the big lines from the report was essentially that half of insurance half of insurers globally are not earning their cost of capital, uh, and they're trading at half of their book value, and um, and that this destruction has has continued and uh while the insurance companies had been uh, at about stable returns for decades um that is not the case anymore and you know i'm just going to kind of get to the rub of this particular uh report and what it means for for those of you listening is that uh mckinsey uh and this came out shoot i'm gonna this came out like a month ago i think Maybe a little longer, but basically, this this report basically says that the value tra- the value in the insurance industry is rapidly shifting to brokers. Now, brokers is a very broad term. You know, they could be talking about you know the biggest brokers in the world, uh, but I think we all can wrap. I think we all need to take to heart what they're actually saying, which is distribution is what wins this game. Distribution wins. If you can distribute your product, you can grow your business. Now, I think there are some caveats to that. You have to be able to retain, right? We look at, we look at, um, and we'll get to this in a little bit. But you look at like Lemonade and Root and a lot of these insure tech carriers who were supposed to change the way that business was done, and you know they they definitely uh, knew how to distribute. 
Um, although I would argue that their distribution model was actually fairly remedial versus what some people want to pretend. Oh, you know, people. I it's funny. I I was had this Twitter conversation. Um, and uh, Will Shaw was involved, uh, uh, Raghav, um, Tana from Tarmica, and uh, T-A-R-M-I-K-A.com, T-A-R-M-I-K-A.com. Go to Tarmica today. That's a little plug for our peeps over at Tarmica. Mid, mid-roll, <laughs> mid-roll real-time. Um, I'm a pro. That's the way it is. <laughs> so silly. Okay, so um, uh, Raghav was involved. Um uh, Zach Gould, uh, GNM was involved. A couple, couple other people were talking back and forth, and you know, basically the comment was made. Well, they, you know, they've written X hundred million dollars in premium and have over a million customers, and that's all great until you realize that they had like thirteen rounds of funding and raised however many hundred million dollars uh, in venture and PE capital and all this kind of stuff, and that. Their strategy for acquiring business was essentially Facebook and Google ads. I mean, yeah, they did some PR, and I think a lot of that was internal. And I think at the beginning they got a little bit of publicity uh, in some kind of more, a little more mainstream uh, because of like the whole um, uh, B Corp, which is you know they basically a charitable for-profit organization or whatever, um, and. And, and the fact that they were giving some X percentage of earnings over, you know, their combined ratio to back to charities that people could pick and all this kind of stuff, which was as gimmicky as gimmick gimmicky gets. Um, and essentially what they did was just create gray, white, and pink moving Facebook and Google ads and just ran a shit ton of them and acquired business. And because it was easy to buy their product and because their product had a very low price point and because their product was a product that people don't overly mentally invest in like like their car insurance or their home insurance or business insurance, it's renter's insurance, right? It was incredibly easy for them to acquire business and they overpaid for it and they paid a, sh- you know, they just ran a shit ton of ads and for a cheap product that people aren't, overly emotionally invested in like renter's insurance blasted into urban areas with solid branding which they absolutely had and some messaging that um you know created a clear adversary which was the traditional insurance space they were able to acquire customers i I just i'm not impressed by it like i get it but jesus if you gave me all the money they had i could probably do the same thing and i'm not even that smart right like i could probably do it from my friggin' basement like it's not rocket science it just it just doesn't impress me. I, all the fanfare, all the apps, the bots, all the talk. I mean, it's interesting and it's intriguing and it's good fodder for a conference, right? We can dissect these things and, and that's all great, but they haven't made a dollar. And their model is thus far completely unsustainable. And they had to go out and buy Metro Mile to, to stay relevant. And I just, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, the reason I don't get it is because there's no humans involved. People stick stick around because of humans. People don't stick around because you know the app is easy to use. I, 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 let me put back up a little bit. People don't stick around for products that they are emotionally and psychologically invested in because a app is easy to use. Now I'm sure you can throw some exceptions at me. I'm sure that's true. 
but when you like when you when you buy home insurance, right? You're buying home insurance. You just had to go through the process of getting a mortgage and and walking into 20 different homes and it's most likely at, at the point that you're buying, especially your first home, it's probably the largest purchase you've ever made in your entire life and you, you know, you need you need to make sure you can afford it and and there's all the tax ramifications and you got to upkeep and you're going to build a family there and you are emotionally psychologically and financially invested invested in that home well you're a little more likely to want to have some human some person with some level of perceived expertise and experience go you know what you're doing the right thing you should buy that policy yep you're good that's what you want to hear you know, you don't need to have someone walk you through every element for 45 minutes across a kitchen table like we used to do. Those days are over of needing that. But what you do need is someone to 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 just, and, and we, you know, at Rogue, we do this using video, but, you know, walk through that policy quick, a minute, three minutes, five minutes tops. Here's what's important. Here's some decisions you may need to make. And here's why I think you're doing the right thing by making those decisions. And, the, and then the person has all the validation they need. And now they feel like they're making a good decision and they feel emotionally invested in the person who kind of gave them the stamp of approval or that the check mark that they were doing the right thing. And they're going to stick around. And we've seen that over and over and over and over and over again. It's 440 years of that exact process with different technology uh, up to today where now we use mostly computers and a lot of people sit at home and do that do that work right well when you're when you're completely disconnected either through you know a, a call center someplace whether it's here in the states or 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 external or you're just using an app or a bot or whatever you know silly thing you're, you're, you're trying to there's no emotional connection. Like it's fine while it's fine and as soon as it's not fine, you're gone. And there's just no emotional connection to it. And frankly, without some sort of human touch, I don't know that there's any branding or marketing that can really create that connection. I think you can get it initially. You can grab people's attention. You can get them interested. You can get them down a funnel. You can get them to maybe even purchase. But to get them to stick, they're only going to to stay until things aren't fine and they're going to leave because there's no one, there's no connection. They're just like, ah, this one. Yeah, I bought renter's insurance from Lemonade for $134 a year, but Travelers is $115 a year. So I'll just go to that. Why do I, what do I care? What, what, what do they care? I mean, I, right? I, I'm not crazy. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. 
We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's Virtual I-N-T-E-L-L.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right, Virtual Intel, CAS certified. So my point in saying that is reinsurers and insurance carriers have, I think, stepped on brokers for a very long time. And what we're seeing is brokers, because of how important distribution is, are taking back some of that power. And it's why I've encouraged you guys from a very long time, and you've heard me say this. I think I said this on the podcast with Billy Williams. I've certainly said it in the last couple months because it's what I believe is as brokers, we need to stop looking at our carrier appointments as some gift that we were given. The franchise value doesn't exist anymore. There's no franchise value. I don't care if you have an eerie appointment or whoever. There's no franchise value. No one gives a shit. It's, is your pricing consistent? Is your product underwriting consistent? Can I talk to an underwriter when I need them? Are you guys gonna take care of my customers when there's a claim? Or are you gonna screw me? Are you gonna make it difficult for me to do simple processes inside your system when I need to do service requests? Are you, you know, these are the things that matter. You, the broker, today in 2022 are doing the carrier a favor by deciding to sell their product and not the other way around. Now, granted, do I think it could be a real partnership? Absolutely. Absolutely do I think you should think about your carrier appointments as partnerships. These, this is an entity that plays a large role in your organization, a large role in how you provide value to your customers. So I don't think you should mistreat carriers. Certainly, here's what I would recommend. Do not treat carriers the way carriers have treated brokers. Carriers have treated brokers, unless you were writing a ton of business with them and maybe they'd fly you out to some place and let you play golf for a little bit for free, right? But but even those guys, they still treat you like crap in between those meetings. They still, you know, talk to you like, oh, you should be, just understand by having this appointment, you have franchise value and blah, blah, blah. No one cares. N- nobody cares. Their franchise value doesn't exist. It does not exist today. It doesn't mean you can't have a good partnership with carriers that, that are willing to do right by you. But today, this report, this McKinsey report, go Google this, right? This McKinsey report clearly outlines, clearly outlines that the power is swinging back to the brokers and the reinsurers and the insurers are feeling it in their fran- in their value, in their, their, uh, their, their, uh, um, in, in, in the capital and in, in the way that their capital is being used and deployed in, in, in their, their actual asset values. It's, 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 swinging back to the brokers because brokers have distribution brokers have relationships brokers have retention and they don't so do not do not look at carrier appointments as gifts they're not gifts they're not doing you a favor by appointing you you are doing them a favor by writing their product because there's look we have we have like 54 different markets that we can go to at rogue because we write nationally and we write all different classes of business and we need all those markets I can tell you from firsthand experience, there is very little difference if you take a broad stroke. 
basically all the care, you know, some of the carriers a little more technology, some have a little more broad appetite, some pricing fluctuates, some are easy to deal with, some are whatever. But the grand scheme is there's always another carrier that can write the business. There's always another carrier that can write the business. So if some carrier rep and that you would love to work with their carrier, right? You go in, you're, I would love to work with you, man, we could do this. And they're going to give you crap or talk to you like, like, you know, well, you should be honored in the franchise value that you get by having, nope, just, I'm good. Move on. I'll write it with someone else. If they're going to give you that nonsense, just move on, right? Just, just move on because it's not worth it. That's going to be a headache for you down the line. That if they're gonna have that conversation with you, it's going, they're gonna be a headache for you. And trust me when I tell you, there is always another carrier that will write the business. However, there is not always another broker who can find the accounts and retain the accounts like you can. Because they can't do it. They can't. They don't have the willpower. They don't have the, the, the internal expertise and they don't have the fortitude of building out a, a, a sales force. They just don't have it. It's expensive. It takes time. It takes expertise. There's no way to expedite it. How do you justify it when you already have a, a broker network who's writing business for you, right? Your agency plant, as it used to be called. So they're never going to do it. They don't have distribution. They have you. And for a long time, the pre-social media days, the pre-technology days, right, before digitization of our industry, they could hold franchise value over you. They just can't anymore. You have the power. You have the power. Never allow yourself to be browbeaten by some carrier rep because you, you're looking for an appointment and they think somehow the franchise value or whatever is, is this holy gift that they're going to bestow upon you. Screw that. Go find someone else. Someone else will write the business. Find a partner who believes in you, who wants to grow with you, who wants to work with you, who's going to give you some leeway, who isn't going to email you every month and ask you what business you're going to write the next quarter. I mean, it's so stupid. You either believe in what we're doing and you're going to give us the grace to, to grow and adapt and learn and have good quarters and bad quarters, or you're not. And those carriers with the open-mindedness to see that we are in like the first, maybe the second inning of the digitization of our industry and that no one has a good answer to, to what's coming and that everybody is testing and failing and flailing and winning and losing and, and, and it's all over the board. Those are the carriers you want to find because those carriers are the ones that are going to be your real partners moving forward. So this report just solidified in my mind um, the power, the power of the broker. And, and I know independent agents aren't broker. I just, I, to be honest with you, everybody who isn't an independent insurance agent refers to us as brokers. So I've just kind of, Carl, I just call, call myself a broker now because I know technically it's a different license and it holds a different meaning with the care. God, it's just, it's too much, right? We can only give so many brain cycles to these silly nomenclature things that are nonsensical to everyone except for uh, the the purists of our space. So I just refer to us as brokers, but and so does McKinsey, and McKinsey has a lot of smart people. So um, I do want to read to you just a passage in here um, uh, about what McKinsey was saying. So um, when it comes to the equality of the distribution of winners and losers, and also those generating profits, one notable shift 
is the rise of the broking or broker segment. That's a weird way of putting it. Over the past five to 10 years, brokers have emerged as clear winners of the industry, with both public and private investors recognizing their position of strength in the insurance value chain, McKinsey explains. Part of this is down to insurers and reinsurers lacking control of distribution channels. Remember, franchise value does not matter. That is a silly concept. Which intermediaries are firmly in charge of today? That's brokers, intermediaries. McKinsey's consultants point out that because of the lack of control of distribution, reinsurers might run run an even greater risk of becoming pure balance sheet providers while intermediaries keep their asset light client relationship model. Booyah. The authors of the McKinsey report say that the shift towards digital is perhaps the last chance for insurers to regain the upper hand in this fight for the customer. Screw that. While value may have been destroyed by the insurance and reinsurance industry in economic terms, we believe it it has also been shifted or relinquished by not capitalizing on the one thing brokers do not directly wield, risk capital itself. That's starting to change. You're seeing more and more people going out and grabbing their own paper or fronting paper and launching their own products into the market. I think there's a huge opportunity for brokers to launch their own paper, to, to, to bypass some of the standard insurers, go directly to reinsurers, find paper that's been shelved and launch it as fronting paper that you can brand yourself. Huge opportunity, huge opportunity, especially when you're working against insurers who will launch their own direct product in a heartbeat, like travelers buying Trove and all the other things that they've done, like they would cut you out in a second. They would slit your throat and hang you upside down if they thought they could get away with it, right? Um, So why not start your own paper? Rather than breaking down the market value chains as disruption should likely have delivered, with risk capital, the key to the ultimate delivery of a risk transfer product, control of the chains is consolidated towards brokers. Guys, that's a lot of words, uh, a lot of thoughts. I I highly recommend you Google this report. Uh, Just Google reinsurance, an industry destroying value or shifting it to brokers. McKinsey, something like that. Just Google some of those words. I'm sure you'll find this report. I think it's absolutely incredible. Um, And, you know, our days are far from done uh, as brokers. I think we all kind of know that and you wouldn't be listening to the show if you thought that they weren't. Um, but it, it's just always interesting to me how, you know, there's just all these, there's just all these conversations that happen around, around how, you know, geez, if you could just get past the brokers and intermediaries and that 12 to what max 20% commission that you have to pay for all the work that it takes to acquire business. I mean, it is, it's just so much work to acquire business. And, and look, if you have if you have a dump truck full of VC capital that's just dying to be burnt up, shit, you can go out and acquire business tomorrow. But if you haven't built the systems processes, if you don't have the technology, if you haven't set expectations, if you don't have the branding, content, messaging, if you don't have a culture built inside your business to support the retention, the service and retention of that business, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. And what brokers have more and better uh, than, than any other piece of the value chain is everything I just mentioned, minus in some cases the technology part, to retain the business. That's what we have. 
That's what we have. We can actually grow from a new business standpoint slower because we're able to retain where all of our insure, uh, insurer, reinsurer, and insure tech competitors, they have to grow as fast as they possibly can at all times because they can't retain. And my friends, the reason that I'm spending so much time on this topic is that this is the core concept of what we're trying to do here at Rogan. It's what I recommend you start to think about in your own agencies is that it's the human optimized model. I've been talking about this for almost two years is you, your humans are the power of your business. However, if you are deploying those humans into the field in, in an old school traditional way, because it's all you know, you are going to lose. I can drop a pin in your backyard and acquire that business, acquire business right out of your hometown tomorrow. I can do that. I can go to different lead gen sources, I can run Google ads and Facebook ads, and I can acquire that business. And the difference between me and everyone else is that I can retain it. That should scare the crap out of you. And the reason that, and my point in saying that to you is not that I wanna put you out of business, I certainly don't, although don't think that I'm not trying to grow my business, and as much as I love all of you, um, you know, I'm gonna grow. Uh, I'm certainly not going to strategically target any of you. That would be, I just don't have any desire to do that unless one of you really pisses me off or comes after me and then, you know, I can't make any promises at that point. My point in saying this to you is with simple tweaks over time, maybe utilizing a mentor like like some of the ones that I mentioned before or, or just thinking through with your leadership team and your people and 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 focusing on, okay, Let's, how do we streamline some of our some of our service? How do we reduce costs where we can using technology while still making our people a primary focus of the process? And then deploy some tech into the into the acquisition phase uh, of, of your uh, growth so that you can acquire at a slightly lower cost of acquisition or at the same cost of acquisition but at a larger scale. You can grow and grow indefinitely. Right? There's no more, oh, you know, I, I, I hear all this stupid crap about five, 10 years. Why do brokers ever have to go away? Seriously. What in the marketplace makes you think that uh, a human optimized insurance broker is ever not going to be part of the process? Just ping me with one example. Right? Ping me with an example of, uh, or, or, or a case study, or an idea, or a concept, or give me that out of left field exclude you know exception to the rule of here's why uh, a human optimized insurance brokerage can't grow indefinitely i can't find one i can't think of one and this is what i think about all the time right because while i'm growing my business i'm also thinking about how to defend my business so this is what i think about all day every day and i cannot find a way now granted if somehow over the course of time people become so you know these products become so ingrained um like in the internet uh, or, or um embedded insurance like every product we own the insurance comes with a product and like when you're born you're born with insurance or something i, I don't know maybe then Maybe then, maybe then they're not necessary anymore. But even even there, there's going to need to be brokers to sell the product liability and handle claims and do all this kind of stuff. So I don't know. To me, to me, you, we have to we have to consider this concept of 
human optimization. And if we do, we can grow indefinitely. Now, uh, I think this is a good spot to stop uh, for this portion of this two-part series. Um, and I just want to say, guys, you know, I share these thoughts with you. Um, you know, obviously, this is what I believe. It's how I grow my business. It's the bedrock of, of what we do. It, it, it's our methodology. It's our culture. It's our, it's our ideas here at Rogue Risk. It doesn't mean it's right, but um, I think I've put as much thought and time and energy and effort into these concepts as maybe anybody in our space. And if I'm wrong, I'm not wrong by a lot. So this is the way the industry is going. And the winners are going to be human optimized. Some of you are big enough today to ride this wave to retirement. And to you, I wish you nothing but the best. But for everyone else who knows they have 10 years left in this space at a minimum, this is the way you got it. You have to be moving in this direction. You absolutely have to be moving in this direction. Guys, in the next section, I'm going to break down a really cool, um, um, I guess it's a white paper uh, that was done by Reuters, I guess. I always mispronounce it. It's not Reuters, it's Reuters. Uh, and four contributors from the space, um, Mark Seek, who's the chief psych. I'm going to mispronounce your name, man. Mark, if you're listening, you're from Berkeley. Apologize. Uh, chief Customer Experience Officer at Berkeley Fire and Marine. Bobby Colley is VP of Strategic Distribution at Grain. What up, Bobby? Craig Welsh, Chief Distribution and Marketing Officer at Westfield. Love Craig. And Tim Riley, Senior Director of Digital Distribution at Tokyo Marine Highland. They uh, were contributors to this white paper. Uh, seven key trends of 2022. I want to break down this report um, in the context of this uh, of this episode. And I think you're absolutely going to uh, love it. Um, so uh, I, th I think we're going to launch these two episodes on the same day. So if you want, just click to the next episode and you'll be able to listen to this second version, second portion, whatever, uh, part two of this conversation. Um, so guys, as I've always said, I love you for listening to the show. I wish you absolutely nothing but the best. I, I, sometimes I, I get criticized for some of the things I say, kind of harsh. I, I, I say what I mean. I mean what I say. I love you guys for listening. And I only say these things because I want you to be successful. That's it. So I hope you take that to heart and know that um, you you giving your time and attention through your earbuds or however you listen to this show um, to me and to these ideas is meaningful, even if some of the things I say offend you. Um, but either way, love you for listening. Uh, I'll catch you in part two.
few drinks and smoke a joint, Bubbles? Yes. <laughs> Drinks and smoke a joint, bubbles? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>